0: Please be seated. Man, I left my sermon up here from last week. I don't think God wants me to preach that again. <laughs> Maybe he does. I don't know. There's a movie called The Invention of Lying. Came out around 2009, and it's about a world where no one lies. Everyone tells the truth, and everyone knows that everyone is telling the truth. So, for example, one man tells his co-worker, "I've always hated you." And a woman says about her date, he seems nice, but a bit fat. And it's all the truth, all the time, no matter what the consequences. Until one day, a down-on-his-luck loser named Mark, true story, discovers a thing called lying and what it can do for him. And within days, he is rich and famous and dating the girl of his dreams. And nobody knows that he is lying, so he goes on living this false life and is rewarded for it. It's a comedy, but it's a serious commentary on all of us. We Americans like to think that we value truth. We Christians value truth. But, and time and time again, opinion polls show that honesty is among the top five characteristics we want in a leader or a friend or a spouse. But at the same time, deception is all around us because we think that lying at times is the better way to go. We are lied to at an alarming rate by government officials, public figures, and the media, our social relationships are based on little white lies we tell each other. The average person, according to psychologist Robert Feldman, tells at least three lies in the first ten minutes of a conversation. How many of you lied this morning? Probably most of us. Three times in the first ten minutes of conversation. Feldman says, there's always been a lot of lying, but I do think we are seeing a cultural shift where we're lying more, it's easier to lie, and it's becoming more acceptable to lie. Are there any nurses here today? If you're a nurse, would you raise your hand? Or are you been a nurse or planning on being a nurse? Raise them high. We'd like to see who you are because we want to congratulate you because you are the most honest people in the United States. There was an honesty poll which professions are the most honest? 2016, nurses number one, ministers number eight. <laughs> Little disappointed in that. At least we weren't in the bottom. The bottom two in honesty, second to bottom car salespeople, and least trusted members of Congress. Hmm. Ninth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. It's a short one, basically, tell the truth. Most people might consider this a minor commandment. We can understand the commandment against killing and adultery and stealing, but lying? Why does this make God's top ten? Why is lying so bad? Well, let me give you three fundamental reasons. I'm sure there's more than this, but these are the basics. Lying is contrary to the nature of God. Titus 1.2 says God does not lie. Proverbs uh, says there's seven things that God hates, and two of them have to do with this commandment, a lying tongue and false testimony. And if you think about it, all of these ten commandments flow from God's character. We rest because God rested. One day a week. We honor His name because His name is holy. We are faithful because God is faithful to us. We don't kill because God is the author of life. And God wants us to tell the truth because He is truth, His nature. Now, who's the father of lies? Satan, yeah, the devil. Jesus said Satan is a liar and deceiver. When he lies, he speaks his native language. So when we lie, whose language are we speaking? But why do we lie? We value truth. And yet we lie. It's so common. Part of the time we lie to avoid consequences, to protect ourselves. We're afraid if the truth were known, we could get into trouble. A Sunday school teacher asked her class, What is a lie? And a little boy raised his hand and said, A lie is an abomination unto the Lord. And then he added, A very present help in time of trouble. <laughs> So people will lie at times to protect themselves. Another reason we lie is to make ourselves look better than we really are. Now, this is usually a little more subtle, just to let people know, I'm, I'm pretty good, I'm cool. I ran across this thing, I don't know if it's on Facebook or where, but it's called 10 Guaranteed Ways to Appear Smarter Than You Really Are. And I thought, well, I'd like to do that. Not really. But these are 10 ways we fool and deceive people, and here's the ways to do it. Dress for success. I almost wore a suit today, just so you think I'm smarter than I really am. But it also said showing skin actually makes you look less intelligent. Hmm. Second, keep pace with the crowd. Don't dawdle behind and don't scurry ahead. Third, wear nerd glasses. Fourth, look them in the eye. Five, speak expressively. Vary your pitch, speed, volume, and energy. and That'll make you appear smarter than you really are. Write simply. If you're really smart, you don't need to use big words. Seven, believe in yourself, confidence. Eight, make a graph, because people tend to believe a source if they see a graph. Isn't that interesting? Number nine, use a middle initial. John F. Kennedy. Just sounds more impressive than John Kennedy. And the last one... Skip that drink. It says even holding, now it's an alcoholic drink, even holding an alcoholic drink makes you look less intelligent. Just holding one. So deception is either to protect me or to promote me, make me look better. God calls us to tell the truth in spite of the consequences. Jesus did it. I mean, he told the truth and got him into big trouble at times. He did not try to shade it or soften it because lying was contrary to his nature. Here's the second reason. This is in the top ten. Trust is an essential component of life. When you get in your car, you have to trust that some guy in some factory in Detroit or Japan or Germany or Tennessee or wherever got those brakes put on right. When you get on an airplane, you have to trust that someone you've never met did his job in checking out the mechanical parts. You have to trust the integrity of your dentist, your doctor, your insurance salesman, and car mechanic. When you get a prescription, you have to trust that someone put the right ingredients in that little pill. Life is just built on trust. Marriage and family, built on trust. Church life, built on trust. And if you don't have trust, it's hard. Ephesians 4, speaking to the church, says, Each of you should put off falsehood and speak truthfully with one another, for we are members of one body. Truth is foundational to a healthy church. Now, originally, the main thrust of this commandment was the public testimony of an individual before judges. Don't bear false witness. It's a courtroom commandment. Any legal system cannot be effective without basic. Honesty, but especially in the ancient world, when you didn't have technology for fingerprinting and DNA, and they didn't have CSI squads, witnesses were especially important. And based on the testimony of two or three witnesses, the accused could receive the death penalty. So this was and is a life and death commandment. Proverbs twenty-five, eighteen says, like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. He's dangerous. So, there was a safeguard put in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 19, it says the judges must make a thorough investigation, and if the witness proves to be a liar, giving false witness against his brother, then do to him as he intended to do to his brother. Now, that's a good one. The false witness suffers the penalty that would have been carried out on the falsely accused. You lie, you pay the price. Here's a third reason for this command. Lying is a symptom of deeper issues. This is the big one. Obviously, this is a heart and character issue. And a bigger issue than speaking the truth is just being a person of truth, living lives of truth. We will not honor God just by telling the truth, but by living consistent, authentic lives that portray what we speak. Hypocrisy is living a lie. One of the biggest and loudest voices against Christianity are the lies of inauthentic Christians. We talk generation, generosity, but we're selfish. We talk about kindness, and then we're unkind. We talk about forgiveness, and then refuse to forgive. The Bible says we, as Jesus' followers, are to know the truth and tell the truth, belong to the truth, love in the truth, and walk in the truth. So truth is not just words. It is a way of being and who you are. Are you, Can I trust you to be who you say you are? Now, I was going to talk about all kinds of different applications today. We could talk about, of course, breaking your word, gossip is a problem, insinuating, uh, flattery, stretching the truth. I was going to talk about a lot of these things. In fact, on the stretching the truth, I I love this story of a man who actually caught a 123-pound catfish, world record catfish at that time but he could not get anyone from the Fish and Game Commission or anyone from the magazines to come and take a picture of the fish because every time they called, they wouldn't believe him. I mean, he's a fisherman after all. So he, <laughs> so he called a magazine, and he said he caught uh, a 75-pound catfish. And then they came out and took a picture. That was believable. And then they discovered it was actually 123 pounds, and then he got his name in the world record book. Can you imagine how hard it would be for a fisherman to lie about a smaller fish? Hmm. There are people that will expand the story. You know, you know some of them. Stretch the truth, usually make themselves look better, or in the case of gossip, to make the story a little juicier. Jesus said, just let your SBS and no, no. Tell the truth. Be honest. So there's a lot of different applications of this, but I want to go a little different direction, talk about some way Christians lie. And we're not even aware we do it. So I found this idea from an article I read, and I adapted it uh, uh, for, this, for this message today. We lie when we Christians appear more confident than we really are. There's sometimes a culture of pretending within the church. Many believers feel the need to hide their doubts and their questions and their fears, and we feel compelled to act like our faith life is totally satisfying. It's totally, how are you today? What do you say? Did you tell the truth? But, you know, for many, the Christian life is actually, at times anyway, limited, it's disappointing, it seems dry and cold or numb, and we believe that our witness will be uh, less powerful if we don't project this perfect religious experience. You know, we don't dare reveal the truth, so we lie and put up this image of confidence. The funny thing about that is non-Christians are often intimidated or even put off by this perfect image of Christians and are actually drawn to stories of authentic or even struggling faith, it's more real and more believable. Just be honest. There's sometimes I doubt, and there's things about Scripture that I struggle with, and so do you. We lie when we claim that unexplainable things are explainable. We don't have all the answers. God is transcendent and way beyond our finite minds. The Trinity, for instance, is not explainable. We would be better off. We just said, you know, these ideas are so beyond me that if God did reveal them to me, I'm pretty sure my brain would explode. I mean, how about claims about evolution versus the creation accounts? Now, I have my opinion on this, but I do not pretend to be a scientist or know all the answers of how all these things fit together. And if everything has to be explainable, then one of your kids goes off to college, his faith will be shredded by some professor who knows how to do it. We cannot explain everything. They're just beyond us. We lie when we pretend like the Bible doesn't say some nasty things. I wish we could cut parts of the Bible out. I don't get it. For instance, God commands genocide. He just does. At least from a clear and honest reading of the Bible. There's also a verse that says, Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Now, you have to read those in context, and there actually are some reasonable ways to look at them, but those are just nasty. And we just need to admit it. Uh, The same thing can be said about some of the atrocities of the history of the church. Yeah, there's some stuff that is pretty hard to swallow, but it happened. You know the Charlottesville thing? You know, the Civil War is part of our history, and so is slavery. And it's ugly, let's just admit it. It happened. And learn from it. You know, tearing down statues, I don't think it's going to solve anything. Is that going to reduce racism? There's nasty stuff in our history, in Christian history, and in the Bible. Let's just be honest. We lie when we claim that all of our beliefs are vital. Not everything we believe is worth going to the mat over. This one is probably going to frustrate some people, but we are disingenuous when we claim all of our dogmas with equal veracity. To put it another way, on a scale of 1 to 10, not all Christian beliefs are a 10. Do I believe in the historicity of Jesus and the resurrection? Yes, that's a 10. Uh, that's a basic foundational tenet. Uh, do I believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Yes, that's a 10. But in our movement, we split over whether to have a piano and worship on Sunday morning or not. Really? That, that is not a 10. It's so sad. Not everything you believe is absolutely vital. There's really only a few essentials we have to agree on. And that's why we have so many splits in Christianity. We make... Tens out of fives. The fifth lie is the worst. When we pretend we love the other person, when in fact we do not. We do not love people when we dismiss their hopes, values, beliefs, or convictions. We do not love people when we do not empathetically listen to them, as opposed to spending time formulating a counter-argument. We do not love others when we reduce them to labels, caricatures, or opponents. If we love, then we will find people shockingly interestingly, interesting and fascinating. We'll find their stories important. We will radiate affection. Humans know deep down whether or not they are truly loved. So those are just some ways we can lie, maybe not even be aware of it. One question that inevitably comes up with this commandment, is there such a thing as a justifiable Falsehood. Are there times it is okay and maybe even advisable to deceive? Is it a sin to purposely deceive someone intent on murder who's asking where his victim is at? In World War II, the Allies staged an elaborate hoax to fool the Germans when planning the invasion of Normandy. Was that deception wrong? How about Santa Claus? Is it always right to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? In the Old Testament, was Jonathan wrong when he lied to Saul about David's whereabouts so he could protect David? from being killed. Rahab Rahab lied to protect the Israelite spies and was commended for her faith. Two midwives of the Egyptians lied to Pharaoh when they were ordered to kill all the Hebrew babies. So, historically, theologians have said there's three kinds of lies. Now, with that said, there are some who, who take the absolutist position say you should never, ever lie no matter what. But here's what some theologians say. There are actually different kinds of lies. There's the hurtful ones, and that's the vast majority of lies, and that's what this commandment addresses. Any lie that's trying to make me look better or protect myself or, or that harms someone else. Then there's humorous lies, those told in jest, those that are jokes. We know it's not a true story, you know, did you hear about the golfer? That, that there's no intention of deceiving or harm. And I was tempted to tell a joke at this point, but you don't like my joke, so I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Hurtful and humorous, and then there's helpful lies, which sounds almost contradictory, done to protect the innocent. I actually did decide to try to be absolutely honest all the time. Didn't last long. Whole truth, nothing but the truth can be really cruel. And almost every day, you will find that if you spoke the full truth, you would cause unneeded conflict. You know, Ellen would ask, honey, would you like to wash the dishes? You want the truth? Do you like my new hairdo? What do you say? Some people call these must-lie situations. Now, that doesn't sound right, you know. And yet, most would say, it's okay to soften the truth. Do you like my new hairdo? It's you. Do I look fat? Of course not. And how about funerals? Tell the whole truth about the deceased? One minister in New Mexico was honest. He said that the deceased had been living in sin and looked warm in his faith and that the Lord had vomited people like him out of his mouth to hell. The family sued him. He may have been telling the truth. I'm almost an absolutist. I mean, I have had it drilled into me, and many of you have too. You just do not lie and sometimes it can get you into trouble. For instance, I have a, man, we got a lot of, hmm. I have a hard time saying that a newborn baby is beautiful unless it truly is. Now, I think newborns are a wonderful gift of life and beautiful in that sense. And by the time I see them in the hospital, they're all cleaned up and they have a bow in their hair and, you know, it's cute and everything. But when our first child was born, I was not ready, I was shocked. My wife, I'm sure, wanted to kill me. That kid looked like one of those aliens you used to see on Star Trek. I'd never seen anything like this wrinkled and half bald, and what hair they have is greasy and gross, and of course, no teeth. And, and our daughter, Tabitha's her name, her, they had to use forceps to get her out, and so her head was kind of mangled up. I mean, it had one of those foreheads you see on Star Trek. And, and a lady comes in from the church and says, Oh, what a beautiful baby. And I say, You're a liar. My wife was not happy. But most of us would consider it's okay. It is a beautiful, and in a sense, every baby is beautiful. The guy was trying to start up a conversation with another fellow and said, Who's that ugly woman over there? And the man said, well, That's my wife. <laughs> so, so the guy said, No, no, not her, the other one. He said, Well, that's my daughter. <laughs> So being a truthful person does not compel us to say everything that is on our minds. It does not require me to reveal all my thoughts and feelings. It does not require you telling how bad a sermon is, although sometimes that can be helpful. You, just be a person of truth and grace. And sometimes it takes wisdom to put those two together. Now, there's two parts of your body that are affected when you lie, even helpful lies. One is your nose, seriously. Seriously. I'm not lying. There is a reaction in your nose when you lie. Okay. It is called the Pinocchio effect. It doesn't grow when you lie, but researchers have confirmed the human nose heats up a tad when we lie. It gets a little warmer. So when your teenager comes in and you ask where he's been, touch his nose. <laughs> Might help you out. Here's a second area that's affected your brain. Telling small lies tricks your brain into telling bigger lies. According to studies, people who tell small, self-serving lies, now get this, self-serving lies, are likely to progress to bigger falsehoods, and over time the brain appears to adapt to the dishonesty and becomes a part of who you are, your character. So small fibs lead to big whoppers and becomes part of your character. Brain scans show the brain becomes desensitized with each successive falsehood. Your nose and your brain. One other thing. The easiest person to lie to is yourself. The Bible in several places talks about how we deceive ourselves. And research shows over and over we tend to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We overestimate our abilities. 93% of people who drive believe they are better than average. The facts, the numbers just don't add up, of course. 90% of teachers believe they are better than average can't be. This is false. Most people think they're good people. And this overestimating of ourselves leads to an attitude that says, I don't need God. I don't need God's people. I'm okay. It's a lie. You're not above average. I am not above average. And then there's others who, who think the other way and who to think too lowly of themselves and can't see their value. Well, God could never accept me. God could never forgive me. And that's a lie as well. And either way, we're being deceived. So the first step to coming to Christ is just be honest. I'm not okay. I am desperately lost. And I need Him, and that is the truth. It is also true that He loves me, and He will accept me, and He values me. And I am valuable, but I am flawed. And that's the truth. So God is saying, I want you to be truthful, especially with yourself. You need Jesus. You need the church and other believers. You need the Word, and that's the truth. Let's pray. Father, this one seems less significant, and yet if we think about it, we have all seen the destruction done by lying. We've seen the effects of dishonesty in our culture, perhaps in our families and, and in ourselves. We've seen what happens when trust is broken and how hard it is to regain. And we know that this commandment, like all commandments, is based on your character, and it is for our good. So I pray that every one of us will grow in our integrity and honesty. To grow to reflect more your character in our lives. Thank you for being truth, and may we reflect that truth in Jesus' name.